The content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Okay, welcome everyone. We are joined by David Avocado-Wolf to talk today about ginkgo biloba extract. This is a super extract. This is an antioxidant free radical scavenger that's been used in Chinese medicine and other systems for quite a long time. So Dave, thanks for joining us today to talk about this particular natural food. Fantastic. I love ginkgo. It's a personal favorite of mine. I've been trying to grow ginkgo in Canada for years now, and I've, I've been able to get the plants to survive the winter, but never to really develop into their natural tree-like, you know, development, which is eventually, you know, they become large trees, and they can live hundreds or even thousands of years, and um, I'm, I'm really working on that. There, there's a limit to the cold that they can handle, because they really are a tropical escapee, and they're one of the last surviving remnants of a class of trees that is no longer on the earth. So they're extremely adaptable and they've been here a very, very long time. What are some of the main properties of ginkgo that make it such a revered, is it a tonic? Is it a medicinal plant? What type of class of a plant is it? And then what are, what are the things that it's delivering to us in its chemical composition showing to be very beneficial for our health? Well, there it is a lot to be said for ginkgo as a, as a medicinal or even a food plant, as a, as a veg, vegetable, like a green leafy vegetable. Almost always we're eating lettuce, we're eating kale, we're eating things that are really annuals or kind of semi-perennials, and they don't really develop a lot of interesting alkaloids as a result of that because they're not coming from a tree, it's coming from a little plant. And when you have pine needles, for example, you kind of suck on a pine needle or you eat a maple leaf or you have a ginkgo leaf, you get a much different type of energy. It's a much different type of nutrition um, than you get from, you know, some parsley or something like that. Um, and so I like to expand our idea of what we can eat, what can go into a salad by having more tree leaves in our diet. This is the idea that the Algonquin Indians had. Um, in fact, the group of the Algonquin, the Adirondacks, that particular word Adirondack, is named after the tree eaters. They were actually called tree eaters because they ate maple leaves and, and drank maple water and created maple syrup. And that's where all that came from. It was a Native American tradition. So ginkgo is kind of like that. It has a tradition of being a tree leaf that's eaten and has a long history, but it's really a medicinal herb to a food. It's not a tonic herb. And it has a particular affinity for increasing blood flow. It's cardiovascular type of nutrients. It contains cardiovascular types of nutrients. Um, it, it increases, in particular, blood flow to the brain. So it thins the blood, increases blood flow to the brain, in particular the cerebellum, which has to do with our balance. It's kind of the base of the brain on the back end of our brain, just above and, and behind our 
atlas, which is the top vertebrae on our, our spine. Um, it increases oxygen levels, and therefore it can actually give you a little bit of brightness in your thinking, and generally has been combined with Gachucola. So it's Ginkgo and Gachucola have very similar properties. And we used to do those in the old days a lot, the one-two punch, and you can really notice a brightness in your thinking and you're almost like an improvement in your clarity of thought, your memory, that kind of a thing. The doctrine of signatures says that the food or the herb is going to look like, feel like, have the texture of, color of, the thing in your body that it, it heals or works on. And the reason why it's called ginkgo biloba is because it looks like two lobes of your brain split laterally so that you can see both lobes, mm. right? If you were kind of to split the brain um, from ear to ear, then you would see a pattern that looks very similar to the pattern of the ginkgo leaf. Ginkgo, the entire plant, does contain alkaloids and nutrients that are associated with the brain. The leaf is the most easy to access, but there's also something to be said about the nut that comes from the ginkgo tree, which is known as a brain tonic in Chinese medicine and has had that reputation for thousands of years. The leaves are usually um, standardized in extract and available and can be put into smoothies. You can put them into salads. You can put them into dressings. You can put, you can sprinkle it on food. That's really what I recommend is really kind of use it in the same way you would use any kind of condiment herb, um, like oregano or thyme or parsley, except the ginkgo tastes better. It's not as herbaceous in its flavor, texture, or profile. David, recently we did an interview for our member site, thebestdaver.com, and in that interview we talked quite a bit about alkaloids and the domestication of food and some of the novel alkaloids that we can find in foods. Does ginkgo possess novel alkaloids that can stimulate our brain, stimulate our body to develop not only a resistance but a strength that we get when we eat wild foods in nature? The answer is yes. Ginkgo is a very potent wild food, and it's a wild tree that's been on the earth longer than any other fruit or nut-bearing tree that we know of. That's a pretty amazing survival record. And in order to do that, it has to have particular alkaloids that deny it from excessive predation. In a small amount, those alkaloids are wonderful for us. They're alkaloids that increase our blood flow to our brain. They're, they thin our blood. Um, they're, they have astringent properties. Um, anti-carcinogenic properties, um, somewhat sedative properties, and they actually also have an ability to inhibit certain common allergens in the body. So that's the medicinal side of it. I'm sure if you ate 10 pounds or 10 kilos of ginkgo leaves, then that medicine in a small amount would become a toxin in a large amount. And that's what we talked about in our interview uh, for thebestdayever.com was this idea of dosage. In a small amount, it's really valuable, very important, and actually increases your overall genetic vigor to have those alkaloids for your liver to deal with and for your cardiovascular system to deal with. And then, of course, anything in excess can become problematic, and that, that's when what's in a small amount becomes excessive, and then your body can't process the toxins. Um, and that's that happens in nature all the time with wild animals when their food supply is 
trimmed down. For example, wild elephants, they eat a very wide variety of foods, dozens of different foods. In fact, I think it's over 100. But during certain times of the season, that's narrowed down to about 15 foods. So they overeat those foods, and then they have to detoxify themselves of the excess. And the way they do that is by eating clay. Dave, when it comes to these type of spectrums that we're trying to develop, I know a lot of people will say, you know, you know, I've gone to your website. There's so much stuff on that website. So if you go under, you know, Longevity Warehouse, you can look at Chinese herbs. You can look at all the different Longevity Warehouse brand herbs that we carry, like ginkgo. We've got so many other ones. We've got neem. We've got holy basil. We've got rose hips. But when we come to understand the wide variety of alkaloids and chemical compounds that we're trying to get into our body to give us the widest range of health compared to, let's say, you know, chicken, rice, cooked broccoli, and then just like recycling, you know, potatoes, beef. The, the average person eats a very narrow variety of foods, and we might not see the kind of toxic side effects of that, but you see the, the health side effects where people develop weakened immune systems. So can you talk a little bit about like the wide spectrum of health that we're trying to get or access through these alkaloids, and that's why we have all these different products in the warehouse. And also, like, how do you mix it up? Like, do you get sick of the same thing, and do you go through phases? And, I mean, I know you have a very much go-with-the-flow kind of attitude. What's what's your strategy on kind of working with all these things? All the foods you just named, like rice, chicken, and beef, and domesticated broccoli, have no alkaloids. That's, that's really important to understand. They are not wild foods, really, or if they are wild, there's very little alkaloids that translate through into the meat, for example. And therefore, we're not going to develop that malleability, that, that vim and that vigor that is present in, in wild creatures that eat wild foods and have a lot of alkaloids in their diet, like, for example, deer are like that. The many great tribes of Native Americans had very interesting and novel alkaloids in their diet, and therefore had very strong vigor and could survive in nature with, with you know much higher level of life force energy or jing. And what we want to do is we want to always, if possible, bring in unique herbs that still have those alkaloids, whether we can do that in nature. Like, you know, if you live in New York City, there's ginkgo trees all over New York City. But I don't know about eating them. I have eaten a few leaves off of ginkgo trees in New York City, but I wouldn't rely on it because just too much pollution. So what you would do is you kind of would sprinkle in some of these interesting types of herbs that we have at the Longevity Warehouse. I really like ginkgo biloba, um, the extract for that. You can kind of sprinkle it into smoothies. You can sprinkle it into food you're making. You can sprinkle it into um, um, condiments like salad dressings that you're creating. So there's a way to kind of work it in. And then you get that that kind of thing that you would get naturally if we lived in a wild environment where you would have kind of, you know, all your foods and your herbs there and the herbs would be undomesticated. So you get the energies of, for example, in this case, ginkgo. What is that energy? Well, it's an energy that improves your brain. It's a, it's kind of a brain medicine. Um, it's a, it's a brain enhancer. It enhances memory. It enhances blood flow of the brain. It's good for your eyesight. And, also, ginkgo is a very extremely long-lived type of tree, so there must be a longevity factor to it as well. That That's just common sense, and that's the doctrine of signatures that indicates that that's part of its mechanism of action. I personally mix it up um, with 
where I'm at, what's happening at the time. I was just, for example, at um, a couple trees when I was in Glastonbury in the UK that are, one of them's dead now and the other's still going, and they're 2,000-year-old trees. And growing out of one of those trees kind of up on its bark was a tuft of grass. And I ate that grass just because it was there. Um, grass doesn't really have a high amount of alkaloids in it, by the way. In fact, it usually has no alkaloids in it. That's why animals eat a lot of grass and can eat a lot of grass. They don't accumulate these kind of subtly medicinal, yet, you know, inevitably, if you eat it all day, every day, kind of somewhat toxic alkaloids, um, which, again, small amount, excellent, good medicine. Eating it every day, 10 kilos a day, it's too much. It's out of balance. Um, I always will kind of add these things in, like, wild grasses and wild herbs. I ate a lot of wild nettles when I was in the UK. I did a lot of wild nettle juice to get that that vigor and vitality that the wild food has. It's lost through domestication. And I mix it up as best I can depending on where I am. Okay, fantastic. So at the Longevity Warehouse, we carry these in four-ounce bags, which are very small bags, just because sometimes people buy these, you know, one-pound or two-pound bags of you know, these novel compounds and they just feel, oh, I'll never go through this. So we sell the small little four ounce bags. You can, you know, as Dave suggested, put it in your salad dressing, sprinkle it on some foods, put it in your smoothie. You know, a lot of these herbs are great to make in lemonades. Uh, you know, I like, I like like the rosehip lemonade kind of mix and there's a lot of cool things to do with like a, a summertime lemony green drinky type of thing. So check it out and add it to your arsenal of longevity strategies. Fantastic. That was awesome. <laughs> 